story that we remember each year on Good Friday is the story of Christ's death, a transition in Holy Week from the celebration of Palm Sunday and the intimacy of Maundy Thursday to the abandonment and suffering of God on the cross on Good Friday. It's a familiar story, but one that should never become so familiar that we're not moved by it again and again and again. So tonight, listen again to the story of Christ for us, for you, from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 16 through 39. And this is just after Pilate has given Jesus over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him, and they began saluting him. Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down to pay homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Ah, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw this, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was God's son. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. In our Presbyterian tradition, when someone is going through the process of becoming an ordained pastor, one of the requirements that we have for that person is that they do a unit of clinical pastoral education, or CPE, 
which in most cases is a very intensive internship uh, as a hospital chaplain, a chance to learn and practice and offer pastoral care to those who are experiencing pain or crisis. And I am currently in that ordination process, so I have been part of the CPE internship at St. Mark's Hospital for the past several months. And throughout the week as I'm there at the hospital, I spend most of my time in rooms with patients and their families, listening to fears and grief and people's stories. And a lot of it is related to what's going on with them and their bodies in the hospital, but a lot of times I hear deep-seated traumas and memories that come up for people when they're in this really vulnerable space. I've also spent a lot of time with family members of loved ones who have been brought into the emergency room or have been put on ventilators or have passed away. I have encountered so much real human pain and suffering and loss in the past few months, more than I have in the rest of my entire life. Something I've noticed in a lot of cases of hearing people's stories, even when they're laying on a hospital bed in a gown with an IV hooked up and monitors and everything beeping behind them is that many people end their stories by saying, it'll be okay, just gotta make it through. It'll be okay, just gotta make it through. One woman who had just been diagnosed with cancer told me, I'll just stay positive and, and things will be okay in the end. And this, like, it shocks me a little bit to hear this from people, but I, I also get it. The desire to stay positive and focused on the good makes sense. You know, we wonder, are we going to be lost in our pain if we don't cling to hope? And experiencing and sitting with pain is uncomfortable and scary. Humans don't like pain. We have a very natural desire to move away from it, to minimize the suffering or smooth it away or tell ourselves that it doesn't matter in the end because God is good and everything will be all right. I mean, that's the story of Resurrection Sunday, right? We know that in the end, suffering and death are conquered and that everything returns to the light. So all we have to do is make it through. We just take the steps with our chins up and keep pushing forward kind of makes me wonder if that's what Simon of Serene was telling himself as he carried Jesus' cross up the hill to Golgotha. Just got to make it through. Just got to make it there. And this has probably served us well in the past. To be able to weather the storms with resilience and hope, I imagine, has gotten all of us through some pretty troubling times. And to be able to stand where we are now on the other side of Holy Week and to be able to see the glorious end to the story of Jesus' death is a powerful thing. We know that Easter follows Good Friday. We know that resurrection comes after death, and that because of that, we can hold hope and call this day good. But what if there was no resurrection Sunday? What if we were those first followers and all we had was the story of Jesus' death? Would we still call this day good? Sometimes, despite our best intentions, Good Friday, not Resurrection Sunday, is where we land or where we find ourselves. 
Sometimes the pain is so great that regardless of what we know and believe, we are overwhelmed by it. We are caught in the suffering, and hope feels naive or impossible. My second night at the hospital, I sat with a man who lost his wife of 30 years, and his sisters were there, and they told me that he was a man of great faith. But his wife had a heart attack, and she didn't make it. And he held her hand at the side of the bed, and he kept calling her name. And at one point, he asked me, what am I going to do without her? That is pain that belongs on Good Friday. That is when we truly know the meaning of Jesus' words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we see the story of Jesus' death through the lens of the resurrection, we can easily glaze over the suffering of the crucifixion. We know there are just three days, and we'll make it through. But the entire story, the story that we just read, is laced with suffering. They put a crown of thorns on Jesus' head, and his blood dripped past his eyes, they struck him, and they spat on him. (laughs) They beat him so badly that he couldn't walk under the weight of his own cross. They mocked, and they taunted him, and then they crucified him, driving nails into his body to hold him to a cross an act that Cicero called the most cruel and horrifying punishment, reserved for slaves, criminals, anyone that the Roman Empire wanted not only to kill, but to publicly shame as they died. It was meant for torture. They would beat someone before nailing them to the cross, but they wouldn't sever any major arteries so that the one who was hung would suffer pain immense pain, but would die slowly from exhaustion or suffocation or heart failure. For six hours, Jesus hung on the cross in pain. This is why we call this story the passion of Christ. Passion comes from the Latin word for suffering. Yes, Jesus was raised from the dead. Yes, he was resurrected and glorified. But first, he suffered. And he suffered terribly. And even in the midst of this, we see people trying to take away Jesus' pain or get him to take it away himself. You know, at some point, someone steps in and they offer him wine mixed with myrrh, which is a first century primitive form of a narcotic. It's meant to deaden pain but Jesus doesn't take it. Then there are the soldiers and the people passing by and the priests who taunt him to take care of himself and come down off the cross to bypass the suffering, but he doesn't do it. 
And some others even assume that Jesus calls out for Elijah to take him away because they can't imagine him dying on a cross. A death that Paul called a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles because it was written in scripture that anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. And still, he stays. And he laments as a righteous man who is made to suffer. Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the first line of Psalm 22. It's a psalm of lament to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothing among themselves. For my clothing they cast lots. Jesus claims this lament for himself. He is the righteous one who suffers unjustly. And this psalm, in the end, reminds us that redemption will follow. It says, all you who fear the Lord praise him. All you offspring of Jacob glorify him. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go to the dust, and I shall live for him. Jesus is not unaware, even in this moment of his death, that God will be glorified in the end. But that doesn't mean that he skips the suffering. Even knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that God will redeem even the worst of human brokenness and evil, it doesn't take away the pain. And for some unknown reason, it was in this moment when Jesus cried out and died on the cross that the Roman centurion stood before him and said, truly, this man was God's son. (laughs) This is the Savior God sent us. And I want you to take a minute and I want you to find that moment in your own life. That dark night of the soul. That feeling of forsakenness. Maybe it was losing someone you loved. A parent, a child, a spouse, or a friend. Maybe you were the one in the hospital gown being told that your body no longer functioned the way that it was supposed to. Maybe it was finding out that you lost a job or a home. Maybe it was battling the temptation of an addiction. Maybe it was a moment of loneliness or emptiness, even in this last year when you were cut off from the people that you loved because of a deadly disease. Maybe it was simply a moment of overwhelm and desperation in the otherwise ordinariness of life. It's okay to sit 
in the space of that pain. And I'd like to propose that even this, this moment of deepest despair, can be called good. So we know that Christ on Good Friday suffered for us so that we could be saved from our sin and be made right with God. But Christ on Good Friday also suffered with us. And in crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He gives us permission to feel our pain. To name it, to lament it with our entire being, and to know that even in the worst of it, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe we don't always have to just make it through. Sometimes we can be right where we are in the midst of terrible suffering. And even if we never got to Resurrection Sunday, we would still have a God hanging next to us on our cross who could say to us in that darkness, I am right here with you. I know your pain. I have been mocked. I have been beaten. I have felt utterly forsaken. And I went through all of it just so that I could be here in this moment with you to tell you that you are not alone. You will never be alone. Thanks be to God.